the Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a complement to the Numinous School, an online intuition development course for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and this week my guest is Emrys Damon Miller, and he's a graphic designer and the founder of Rocket Day Arts, a communication studio here in Victoria, BC. We recorded this conversation at his home, sitting at his kitchen table on a sunny spring day. Okay, let's talk about shamanism and graphic design. So when I first said, hey, Emrys, I'd love for you to be on my podcast, you came back with, hey, that'd be awesome. Here's a bunch of ideas. And the first one was, how about shamanism and graphic design? And I thought, what the hell are you even talking about? (laughs) Like, what does that look like? Are you in like a little sweat lodge in your office in the basement there and you're drumming away? Or have you actually done this where you've been like, okay, I need to evoke something for a client and I'm gonna go into the cave and go into trance. Have you done this before? Almost, but not really. But if there's any clients out there that would like. (laughs) 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 Please go to my website and you can find me. Um, So the discipline of graphic design is almost always a very methodical, rational endeavor. I mean, if done maturely. And, and smartly. It's often described at as you're solving your client's problems mm-hmm. and it's analytical and usually then you explore a variety of ways you might be able to solve the problem and then you pick the best one and I mean it's very much using that side of the brain. Mm-hmm. But I have seen a few times a different way to approach it and I'm very interested in that. I've mostly seen it yeah, when I lived briefly in Montreal. So I lived in Montreal for a couple of years and I've kept in touch with some designers that I feel do this. Hmm. And what this is, oh, I think my dog in the, the next dog room dreaming. is That's so dreams. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, give me a sense of what yeah. that looks like. I'll have to talk about it in a roundabout way. Okay. Okay, so one thing to lay the foundation is the images that we put out in society affect society. Mm-hmm. One common one that most people have talked about before is if people are looking at day after day after day, hundreds of images of female models, you know, selling clothes and they're all super thin. Maybe they all have similar hair and similar faces and that influences society. It makes us feel like that's what we need to be striving for. Mm-hmm. And it influences happiness and that people are feeling unhappy if they aren't that because of some social expectation that or those exclusion. images create. Let's or say exclusion. All the images yeah. are white. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, send so a strong message. We know putting those images out there affect society and individuals' perception of themselves, their yearnings, things like that. So a graphic designer, when they're making a poster, they have an effect on culture and on society and individuals that are gonna see it. And so they also have a responsibility Mm -hmm. and they can approach it from a rational perspective. Like I might decide if I'm making a poster that there's certain things because of all the conversations I've had around feminism that I'm not gonna do. Mm -hmm. If I'm selling a car, it's probably not gonna have a bikini girl on top of it. (laughs) 
So that's approaching it from a rational side. But I've also seen, I saw this in Montreal, but it could be done anywhere. The idea that the graphic designer decides I'm going to go away and try to tap into my intuition mm -hmm. of what do I think this city could use. Mm. And your intuition may end up leading you to places that you wouldn't get to as quickly using reason. You might come up with some kind of graphic design image which actually helps the city take pride in a certain thing or explore a certain thing. One example, I went to a graphic design conference a few years ago where a graphic design firm was using traditional branding exercises, but their job was to brand South Africa. Their client was Nelson Mandela. He said, you know, our country needs some imagery and icons to help us feel unified mm -hmm. and have some hope and have some pride and I think those kinds of things are often best conceived through intuition. So how do you access your intuition? Well every designer is going to be different but the reason why I think there's a similarity to the concept of shamanism is I mean they they have a role in society which does help lead and influence society when you put an image on billboards that you know everyone's seeing and the idea is you could go away to a studio close the doors put on some music that takes you to another place mm -hmm. work late at night and something will come to you most often happens in artist studios and you'll often hear artists say that you know the best ideas especially if they're young designers, will come out at 2 a.m., right. you know, while they're listening to some great music. They're using their intuition to come up with that, that piece that's going to help, in this case, South Africa as a country. could be done with Victoria, too. We could have a few graphic designers intentionally step out of the rat race and step out of society for a while to just use only their intuition to as deeply as they can try to explore what kind of imagery could be used, including, you know, an animal as an icon. Is there something we could do besides the loon that <laughs> right. would influence us as a culture right. and take us to a different place? So, yeah. okay, let's uh, play out the scenario. Amaris, in our hometown of Victoria, you're like, I'm going to take these. What would be a good number, first of all? You're going to take a number of graphic designers on a shamanic retreat, okay? <laughs> First of all, how many? Well, I think it could be done with as little as one. I mean, you want qu quality over quantity, <laughs> right. right? Right. And I think you really want to get them out of the rat race. And so... So you have, let's say, five, four or five? Yeah. Okay. And you're going to go to... Are you going to be outside the whole time? Are you going to go to... Uh, uh, are you going to go to the center of the city and tent out? Like, so where, what, what is the environment, the container like that you think for you, this is just you in a magical right. world. Okay. You yeah. get to just pull, plug them out and they're going to rebrand their city. And so how are you, what's the container you're going to use to take them into that different state where they feel like they're out of the rat race. They're in an, you know, as Joseph Campbell would say, you, you go into the, to the, uh, like basically the magical right. realm, right. Yeah. Of un unknown and unseen forces. Okay. So what does that look like for a graphic designer doing a little design retreat? Where we actually see it happening in Victoria is someone 
drinking an immense amount of coffee and listening to music and it's 3 a.m you know their phone hasn't been ringing for nine hours at that point or 10 hours and so they have been able to escape for a period of time they are a little bit out of sorts physically you know like a bit sleep deprived. Sleep deprived. They haven't it, had food, kind of fasting. Exactly. Maybe yeah. had a substance that's jacked up their heart rate a exactly. little bit. Exactly. Okay. Perfect. It's and very so, shamanic yes. so far. And so that that's already happening. And so you could just take that into different levels. Now, I would be interested, you know, whether you're camping in the middle of the city or going into the forest, I think that decision is also a good one to make using your intuition. Okay, so how would you do that? You would just like sit, close your eyes and just what comes to you first? Would you flip a coin? What would you do? Definitely the computer would be off. Right. You know, whatever it's going to take to help you indulge in the intuitive side rather than rational side of your exploration. Because you can always do the rational side when you get back. Right. And so, you're, the computer you know, whether, and you're editing it. Exactly. Right. Or even just, you know, in the case of what's already happening in small ways where people stay up sleep deprived and come up with some great idea the next morning. <laughs> they get to it and they're like, then they can go, oh, no, that's a really bad a idea. idea. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's a great idea intuition wise, but there's this other reason why mm-hmm. I can't do it. Okay. So how, what is it like when your intuition is at play? Like just do, do ideas come to you fully formed and you just like see an image or do you suddenly get like a certain feeling kind of like words on the tip of your tongue and it's it's coming to you and you just start sketching? Like, what's that like when you're working for a client and suddenly the good idea is coming intuitively? For me, it's mostly images mm-hmm. and they are fully formed. Mm-hmm. Doodling can help them, mm-hmm. help that process of an image coming into your head. So you talked about, uh, you know, the clients, uh, you sort of mentioned them a second ago and I was thinking, uh, wondering, how do you as a creative person balance your client's needs with your own expression? You know, graphic designer is a creator. And so I, I know you've been a graphic designer for many, many years. So you've had to deal with this a lot <laughs> where it's right. like, no, you know, the edits you want me to make are going to make this crap. And, you know, right. and, yeah. so, and so how do you deal with that personally? It's either that I've learned some things and I'm more mature or it's just been a lucky few years Mm because I have not had really many conflicts with my clients. Mm. Maybe not any for several years now. Something on my mind a lot when I was starting Mm. was am I an artist that's being commissioned? And so this in particular made sense when I was working for clients in the arts. So I Mm -hmm. did a lot of work for music festivals was also the film festival and stuff and so I had created a lot of work that already had a particular aesthetic Mm. before they hired me Mm -hmm. and then I was bringing that certain aesthetic and style to it it became you know an Emrys poster right and so when you approach things that way it is like commissioning an artist to create something that is in that artist's style and with that artist's ego and (laughs) such, that's all a part of it. But when I left the arts, you know, those particular jobs to diversify with other kinds of jobs, it didn't make sense. Mm. So I was working with clients in environmental conservation Mm. or in education, local universities, and that was 
hugely inappropriate to be (laughs) like, oh, so you need a brochure for uh, the law department of your university. Well, (laughs) I made this great poster. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. We're going to make this the Emrys brochure. Yeah, no, that would be... So there's appropriate times to bring your ego to it and not to, and different designers have built careers in different ways Mm. based on that. I mean, these days, a lot of what I do, I'm very invisible. You Mm. know, I'm just a facilitator to help the client's voice be seen by their audience. Right. I have a question then about that. How do you think... Well, I'm going to put this generally. How do you think graphic designers see the world differently, you know, so that they can help other people's voices translate visually? Like, what is it about graphic designers or that makes a good graphic designer be able to translate all the soft stuff that (laughs) that that a client wants you to communicate in one image? What makes that graphic designer, a good graphic designer, proficient at doing that? What does it take? Right. I think it's mostly just years of hard work. And so it's essentially, you know, we all have different things that we spend our time doing year round. And for some people, it's very eclectic and other people, it's more focused. If you're focusing just on visual communication year after year after year, then you get sharp at Mm -hmm. it. You're able to see how you can put a few pieces together and they're going to communicate really well. And your clients, like for me, if I've got a client in environmental conservation, they know a lot more about biology and about species at risk and about geography than I, but I've specialized in, you know, how we can construct your website so that the messages are more concise, more clear, things like that. There is an aspect of it which is talent, and there's two different things that I've seen talent-wise that seems to be potentially what you're born with. It's not nurture as much as nature. And I've had employees in the past, and that's also where I've seen, you know, a couple of them were really strong in this. For one, there's people that are just strong visually. You know, whether they were in painting or drawing or graphic design or photography, it wouldn't matter. They are stronger or more gifted on visual sense when it comes to composition and color and all aspects of the craft than average. And then the other thing is some people are charming <laughs> more <laughs> than others. Mean? What do you mean? Well, I had a I had an employee named Jocelyn and her intuition when she was helping a client was very strong. Like she would you'll come up with a a solution for you know how a website could be designed or how a poster could be put together where it was a charming result it was a result that the public wanted to engage with Mm. Uh, so it was beautiful on an aesthetic level but it also was just warm and inviting and yeah. so that's kind of, that sounds like something, yeah, you're also born with. Do you think you can cultivate that kind of charm? Like, do you I, think? I you don't can, know. Yeah. Well, so here's my kind of follow on question is like, do you also think that you have fewer conflicts with clients, say about um, aesthetic or direction because your intuition is just being honed over time? Like your intuition just kind of kicks in quicker? 
yeah, there's going to be that. I mean, I think the biggest thing with the clients was actually trial and error and maturity. Okay. That, you know, when I started, I was a young brat and had to <laughs> right. go through some hard lessons right. of like, you know, that's not a good way to set up a contract. I mean, a lot of it has to do with setting expectations mm-hmm. with the people you're working with. Mm-hmm. And so now, just because I've had so many flops in my youth, now it seems to be going much better that I set expectations right at the beginning and things go really smooth. I am curious if you ever use any tools for working with your intuition. Like, do you ever use a pendulum? Do you ever open up books to see what the first word is that pops out at you? Like, do you, how do you enter into a sort of creative dialogue with your intuition? You mentioned doodling. Right. If we were to go back to the first question about shamanism, I mean, what I would love to spend more time doing would be to have some client give me some hard problem metaphysically (laughs) (laughs) and that I would go away, you know, into a cave for a week and come out with some ideas that are a lot richer than what I would get with goofing off in Photoshop from my studio during (laughs) nine to five daytime hours. But I haven't done that very much. I have done that in small bits in that I love to mix business and travel and Mm. pleasure. So my wife's father is a sailor Mm. and I am thinking about my work and exploring ideas for my clients' work and my own personal projects while on a sailboat mm. way up in the middle of Desolation Sound and travel. I mean, I just this morning booked tickets to New York City. Oh, cool. One of the main reasons that I'm going is because it, it is hint on this shamanistic experience where you leave your 9 to 5 familiar community. Mm-hmm. You go somewhere where you've got stimulation that's foreign to you Mm -hmm. coming at you from all angles I'm going alone Mm -hmm. and I'm going to have space to capture what my intuition gives me well and that's a cool idea too if you were to let's say you could uh, beforehand set the intention that you were going to go on a hero's journey and so everybody who crosses your path is now uh, you know, a helper <laughs> or a keeper of something, right. right? Like that. It's it's fun, I think, to move through the world with a, a view to being metaphorically sensitive. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> you know, it's fun. Okay, so last question then. You are going to go on a vision quest. A client has given you a really tough question, metaphysically. Okay, <laughs> a real tough problem. You're going into a cave, uh, water, but no food. Four days and maybe a drum or a rattle something or maybe just like sticks and rocks but you know if you could do whatever you want you could be dancing you, could, you know maybe make a fire and you know draw on the walls or whatever but three other people are going to come with you and and they're going to be in the cave with you on a creative shamanic journey vision quest who else do you bring living um, or dead living or dead You know, I would, I would, uh, I'd want to bring strangers. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, I mean, the whole point for me of the concept of a shamanistic journey is you're leaving 
what you're familiar with to experience something else for a while maybe some wisdom or and or vision you know comes to you when you're in that other environment and you can take some wisdom from that and bring it back to the community at large yeah i'd want as distant strangers as they could be <laughs> i mean ideally from three other corners of the world mm-hmm. even better if we don't speak the same language even better <laughs> that is awesome yeah. Well, very cool. Thank you very much, Amaris, for sharing your perspective with me and your gifts so that I can share it with my people. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. That would be a deep dive into the world of symbolism and metaphor, wouldn't it? Going on a shamanic journey, not speaking the same language with uh, strangers. <laughs> but still, very cool. I would like to see the brochure that comes out of that. I hope you enjoyed the show. I want to thank Emrys for being my guest and thank you so much for listening. This is a shout out now to all of the people in Switzerland who have been downloading the Numinous podcast. I don't know who you are, but you are my friend and I am so appreciative that you have spent time with me. It, it, it blows my mind every time. It's very cool to have people all over the world sharing this moment with us. If you enjoyed the show, please share it far and wide with seekers like yourself because you just never know who needs to hear it right now. And of course, I always appreciate your review on iTunes from whatever country you're listening in. If you'd like to keep exploring the great mystery of life with me, you can do so by going to my website, carmenspaniola.com, C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter. You'll instantly receive a meditation download, and you'll never miss a show because I'll send you a weekly update every time one gets posted. Until next time, take care. Take care.